worship. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. I ask that by your spirit, you give me revelation and understanding of your word and of your ways. Give me eyes to see, ears that hear, and a heart of understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You guys have a good Thanksgiving? Good? Have a Friendsgiving. I saw some photos. The people were sending them around. Uh, we got to go uh, to um, one of the Friendsgiving over in Bonnie Lake, I guess it would be. Um, it's kind of like, is it like Buckley? Is that the, the or, or, what, Bonnie Lake? What, what's, yeah, yeah. So uh, I used to build cell towers over there. So it's always kind of like all these roads and all this stuff. I'm like, ah, yeah. Had a terrible day there once, and uh, I'm just joking. <laughs> There's a lot of, like, the dirt when you get into it there. Oh, man, I was covered in mud. So, um, yeah, the joy, I used to build cell phone towers, and it was a joy in the summer, not always a joy in the winter. Um, but I, I, I really was blessed by that job. Um, I, I got to spend Thanksgiving with, uh, oh, I had three Thanksgivings. And I'm, I'm only up three pounds right now. So that's like amazing, right? That's a miracle. I was up six pounds uh, uh, the next day after Thanksgiving, but I'm only up uh, uh, two pounds now. So oh, six pounds. I think it's all that. My wife does all the, uh, the appetizers. And I'm a sucker for those like wheat thins. Oh, man. And so I think I probably had like a whole box of wheat thins. It's mostly probably that. I like all of it, but... I don't, I, don't eat, I don't eat carbs pretty much at all. So um, when, I, when it was like a cheat day, it was like legal. It's Thanksgiving. I can't be not thankful. So I need to be thankful for the wheat thins. So anyways, but my family got to come over and uh, had a good time with, uh, this is the first time I think ever that Katie's family and my family, we all came together under one roof for Thanksgiving. That was pretty amazing. And cops weren't called, so... You know, I'm just joking. I'm just, I'm just joking. Not joking from the past, but meaning like, you know, I'm joking now. But um, anyway, so yeah, that's funny. We are going to uh, be in a message today. I want to talk about the, 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 the key to always being in God's presence. There's, there's many keys. Jesus talks about giving them, the disciples, the apostles, the keys to the kingdom. The kingdom of God is about the rule and, 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 and reign of God. And it's about the king and about his ways. So I, I, I love um, Chris Moore talking about being from a, a, a nation that's actually a kingdom. Because we're Americans and we, we don't really, to be honest, understand that. So to go to public school and to know that they're, they were taught, you know, the, the Bible, um, you would have to go here back like 70 years to be able to even like relate to that. And uh, most of you uh, look younger than that. So, um, but uh, there having a, uh, a queen and now a king, it was just normal because the queen or now the king is the head of the church there. Right, we're American, we're like, what? Like Joe Biden being the head of the church, we'd be like, what, right? So it, it doesn't make any sense to us. We wouldn't have a box for that. And, uh, and so, um, but kingdoms operate completely different than our nation, where there's a person who's in charge of, like, what the nation's like, what the kingdom's like. And so we find that we are now citizens of a kingdom, all of us. And so even though we grow up, many of us in America, how many of you from a different nation other than America? You were born somewhere else. Eugenie back there. Okay, so, so um, where are you from, what, Paul? United Kingdom? South one here? Zimbabwe? That's cool. Brazil? Born in Mexico? New Zealand? Holland? Ukraine, India, Philippines. Come on, that's awesome. So, um, so uh, we, we, 
we as Americans, the, the 90% in the room, have a mindset of what the world is like. And the fact is, is that even growing up in the household you grew up in, like my kids think that everyone's lives are like their lives, right? Because it's all they know. So if your family does something different than their family, they think, even, what do you even do? Like, you know, so they, they that's because that's their, well, yours too, right? So I, I joke that when I met Katie and her family, I, I never had a steak in my life. I never had a steak. I, I, I thought pork chops and steaks were the same thing, right? So because because there was 13 of us, you don't buy steaks, right? You're not buying steaks for 13 kids. And when your parents work manual labor and you have, thir- you have, you have 13 people in the house, 11 kids, mom and dad, um, you don't, steaks isn't on the menu, okay? You, um, I remember going to a restaurant probably twice in my entire childhood. Uh, we went to McDonald's zero times. And so that, that wasn't a part of my kind of childhood. Those things were, so um, I joke because I remember um, meeting Katie and her family, and it was like steak every other night. You know, it was just like, this is, I thought it was the same thing, but I was like, it tastes a little different, you know? And, uh, um, but I, I, I grew up in a different type of household. And I know Katie talks about Schwann's. I didn't even know what Schwann's was, you know? And so that was her, you know, a big part of her childhood. So our, how we grow up is a big part of what we think the world is like. So now all of us have been invited into at some point when we believed in Jesus into a whole new kingdom. And a big thing that we need to do is figure out how it operates, right? So if I go to um, Northern Ireland and I start driving on the right side of the road, I'm going to die, right? So because they drive on the left side as well with the United Kingdom, right? Because that's who they're a part of. So, so that, that's, that's something like if I were to take how it is here, and operate there like that, it's gonna get me in trouble. So I, I, I want you to understand the kingdom of God, first and foremost, has to do with the p- p- person in the, of God and his presence. So many churches won't see some of the things that we might see here, and they might think, I don't know what they would think. Some of them wouldn't like it, right? Um, cult, because it's cultural for them. They would be like, oh, that's just a different culture. Uh, for us, we want to possess what it talks about in here is for the kingdom, and we want to see that in our lives if we're in the kingdom. Amen? The main thing that all the stuff with the kingdom comes with is the person of the king, which we'll just call it his presence. Amen? So uh, the key, I want to talk about the key to always being in his presence. One of the keys to always being in his presence Now, uh, go ahead and open up to Psalm 100. Now, most of the things that you pray for, if you pray, which you should, All of those things are already a reality in his presence, okay? So just to ponder that. He's not ever in need. He's never sick. He's never tired. He's, and all the stuff, right? It's like, Lord, give me strength. He's always filled with strength, right? So um, when we come into his presence, what happens is, is our lack begins to be met by his presence, Amen. So there's a secret to most of the things that you long for, you pray for, you ask for. If you were in his presence always, those things would cease to be prayers because they would be met in his presence. So the key (laughs) to some of the things like depression isn't in his presence. So many people deal with depression and I'm like, what you're dealing with is a lack of his presence because those things break in his presence. So there's a key (laughs) You want that to break and you want a new norm, the new norm should be his presence, okay? So I'm gonna talk about living a life in his presence and there's a key to it. Psalm 100, pretty short, uh, just five verses. We'll just read the whole thing. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. 
Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Isn't that so funny? What a funny statement. It's like he's the one that made us, not we ourselves. Just in case you forgot that. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So every time, you know, every Sunday I almost say that, right? Because it's a key. The key to entering into his presence was given right there. We come in, he says, with thanksgiving, and then we can go deeper into his courts by praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. And his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Amen. That's a psalm you should study. Um, there are seven different words in the scriptures for, for um, uh, we, we, we might talk about worship. Seven different worship words. And in one verse, verse 4, five of them are, are used. So it's kind of like a, one of those things that we should, you should probably study, right? It's like to understand worshiping the Lord, um, the different ways that we do that, to have a verse that has five of the different words that would be used to describe what, it's, what it means to worship him, that's like a key. And it's the verse that talks about we enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, and it talks about blessing him, Barak, and that is uh, to Barak is to kneel down and to, to give worship by kneeling down. To, to kneel down to Barak. We, we use the word bless. So when he says bless the Lord, it means to get down, to bless the Lord with your thanksgiving. It's, it's, a thanks, it's, a, it's a posture of thanksgiving, right? So when he says enter his gates with thanksgiving, the word thanksgiving there, um, that word actually means a choir of thanksgiving. Right? And to praise him is actually shouts of thanksgiving. Right? So there, there's these different words, and the, but the, almost all worship has to do with thanksgiving. It's just the different postures at which you, you do it. So, so to praise is to sing thanksgiving. So, so this is, this is um, one of those things that um, I, I want to I give like what it does. So one... It brings you, Thanksgiving brings you into the presence. But we're talking, we want to talk about coming in, but staying in his presence. So to stay in his presence is to, to stay in a posture because being in his presence is a place of praise. It's a place of worship, which has to do with Thanksgiving. So around him at all times is, are those who are, in a sense, giving praise, giving worship, giving Thanksgiving. And so to be in his presence is to be one who's thankful. I'm going to show you this through the scripture um, of what it happens when we, you know, one of the traps to get us out of the presence is the opposite, is to be ingrateful or ungrateful. Isn't that funny? So to ponder his presence, just we're standing here. I've done this a couple weeks ago talking about Entering into his, 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 his presence with gates of thanksgiving. And that leads us into the outer court. The inner court, the holy place, in that place, he says, that's a place of praise. And then the most holy is a place of worship. Okay, so thanksgiving, praise, worship. Worship usually looks like holy, holy, holy. Okay, so those are the depths of coming in. And the responses of us changes the closer we get to him. And around his throne, the angels are always saying, holy, 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 okay? So um, there, there's actually three levels of, 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 of different angelic beings around him. There's three levels. You guys know this? The nearest one is the seraphim. These ones are shouting praises. Then the next level is cherubim. His throne is rests upon them, right? These are protectors. This is why it's put at the gate of, of Eden, right? The entrance of Eden was a cherubim. 
You don't mess with a cherubim, okay? These are like lions, basically, in the spiritual realm. It's like, uh, you're not going to go past here. I'm going to put a lion here, okay? <laughs> Except he has a sword. It's like, what? Okay, so with wings. It's like, okay, well, I don't want to mess with a, a lion with wings and a sword. It's like, okay, stay away from that thing. So um, then the next level uh, would be the ones that kind of look more like humans, um, all right, so the next level would be messengers, those who do, do execute his word. The, we would use the word messenger or angel. Um, and so those are the three levels of those who get to be closest to him. Um, and the, what's the word? How do you say the word of the third level? Uh, there's an actual word on. I can spell it, but I don't. Yeah, anyways. Um, here, let me just look at it, just for fun, just because, you know, why not? <laughs> okay, so, Ophanian, Ophanian, O-P-H-A-N-I-M, Ophim, Ophanian, anyways, so, so, so the three different levels of these spiritual beings. We like to just look at an, the, the one, angels, right? And, but there's three, and, they, and the, each one does something different. So anyways, we want to be one of those who are now, because we're, we're spiritual. We're, we have a spirit. We're spiritual beings. We get to enter into that place to come, okay, into worship him. So this way, that way in is think, thankfulness, by the way, the way out, as I said, is ingratitude, to not be thankful. How did the, the, the highest level of seraphim, you know that Satan is referred as a seraphim. He wasn't the lower level of a, a, an angel or messenger. He was a seraphim. So the serpent, the word there is seraphim. So anyway, it's just fun in the Hebrew. So he gets kicked out. Why? Pride to think more of himself, right? Pride is the opposite of humility. Humility is to recognize your need, your position versus his, right? And to be thankful that you get to be in his presence. Well, he wasn't. He wanted his throne. And he's like, yeah, you got to get out. So the exit of his presence was to be ungrateful, to be proud, he, was, he wasn't grateful for his position. He thought he should have a better one. And how did he deceive Adam and Eve? Got him to be ungrateful. You can eat from all of these trees, except. And he's like, wow, he won't let you eat from that tree? Somehow they got their attention off of, you can eat from all of these, except. And it was like, Wow, really? He doesn't love you enough to let you eat from that one? It's like, wow, I'm missing something. It would be better if I could eat from this one. Not grateful that I'm allowed to, to enjoy all of this and be in his presence. I'm now distracted by what I don't have. Ungrateful. We have the biggest temptation in America, by the way. Because we've been blessed so much. Yet one of the most blessed generations ever is one of the most ungrateful generations ever. So, so you, you meet someone who comes, who grew up in Cuba. They come to America and they're super grateful. They hate communism and they think America is the best. But if you grow up in America, you love communism and you hate America. It's like bizarre. So, so when, you, when, when, when we're young, we have to teach our kids. I want, you, I want to say this. So number one, the entry point to his presence is thankfulness. But I want to say this. Number two, thankfulness is a choice. It's a daily choice. And we have to learn it and we have to practice it. This is why our kids, when they're young, they say, mine. They give me. We have to say, oh, well, no, let's say it like this. Can I have, please? Because we can recognize right away. How many of you, when you hear that, 
if a kid, maybe they come into your house, they're your child's friend, and they're like, hey, lady, let me get some, you know, whatever, right? You'd be like, okay, you're going to drink from the hose. Get out. You know, you're like, get out of here right now. Because you could feel it. You could feel like, oh, the ungratefulness, right? So imagine God and how we can act. So it's natural for us when someone's being ungrateful. I remember I, I joke. Um, this is a joke and not a joke. My kids were really young, um, probably three. I took them to Disneyland. It's a big deal, right? I never went to Disneyland when I was a kid. How old were you? I was like five. Not, you've been multiple times, so I don't know if you remember. But anyways, so, so they were young, and we went all the way to Disney. The day has come. We get to go into Disney, right? Katie, it cost Katie and I a fortune, right? Cost you guys, if you ever did it, a fortune. Plane rides, all this stuff to get there. We're in a Motel 8, because that's what we could afford. And it was, you know, 30 bucks a night. And it had a pool, though. So now it's time to go. We've only been there that night. We got there the night before. Now we're going. Let's go. We're going to Disney. My kids said, I don't want to go. I want to stay at the pool. I said, we're going to Disney already. <laughs> You're like, I could have saved a lot of money. <laughs> it took them to the sound. You know, like, what? And they were so upset <laughs> that we made them walk past the pool and go to Disney. That, that's, you know, like, it's funny, but that's what I'm trying to help us see kind of what it's like to have what we have in Christ and then to forget. We would, when you don't forget, you, you almost laugh. You're like, ha, 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 four-year-olds, five-year-olds, ha, ha, ha. Because that's ridiculous. They can go swimming. We lived on the water, by the way, at the time. Just so you just give even more clarity. We lived on the water at the time. They could swim every day. I just spent a thousand dollars and we're going to Disney. I just want to go in the Motel 8 swimming pool. <laughs> this is, this is, this is what it's like. Now we're not even going to the pool. We're not going to Disney either. We're going home. You know, that's what it feels like inside as a parent, right? Just be real. We're being, we're in church, right? Let's just be real. That's how it feels inside. Thank you. One person got it. Okay, so I want to show you a couple verses about, um, about this. So Adam and Eve, they, they lose the presence because of this. Satan lost it. Adam and Eve lost it. And it was the same thing. It was ingratitude that led them to decisions. Satan not enjoying his position. Adam and Eve not being grateful for their position wanting something that wasn't offered to them and not being satisfied with what was, okay? So that, that's both of their condition. Now, I want, you, I want you to see that healing, even in the scriptures, is, is from his presence. The scriptures talks about this. Um, we see that three psalms later, right? Psalm 103, forget not, his benefits, that he forgives all of our iniquity and he heals all our infirmities. He has to remind them not to forget that because we do. So do you know like almost all of the different feasts and festivals in the scriptures are for them to remember that God's their deliverer. So I want you to practice the Passover so you never forget I'm your deliverer. You'll never need deliverance again if you just would remember. You know that they would have never needed deliverance ever again if they would have just remembered that and been grateful for it. The reason they needed deliverance over and over was because they forgot. And they went and they worshiped other things. And so he had to become their deliverer again and again because the bondage comes 
when we're removed from his presence. And we're removed from his presence when we forget about his goodness and worship and, and go after other things. So freedom comes from his presence. But bondage comes from being ungrateful and removing ourselves from his presence. For example, let's look at Jonah. Jonah got to enjoy his presence. God's speaking to him. Hey, Jonah, prophet, mine. I want you to go speak to Nineveh. They're not in my presence, but I want them to be. Would you go tell them to repent? I want to deliver them. If they don't repent, bad things are coming, so they need to come into my presence so those things don't come. And what is Jonah? He, he's not thankful for, in a sense, what he has, and he doesn't want anyone else to have it. He's ungrateful. He hasn't, when you're in God's presence, you should catch his heart on a thing. Can I just tell you that? The deeper levels is that you end up knowing him, experientially knowing him. So when he says, I want to forgive a people group, you're like, oh, I can catch your heart on that. I can catch your heart on that. I want, to forgive, I want you to forgive them too. I don't want you to destroy Nineveh. Jonah wanted him to destroy, right? Jonah was, a, was, was upset with the nation, the people of Nineveh. So he's like, no, I don't want you to forgive them. And even when God does, he says, I knew it. That you're merciful. I knew it. He was so upset that God was merciful. Except when he needed mercy. So what happens is God speaks. He doesn't honor. I want you to recognize Thanksgiving is connected to honor. Honor is connected to value. The word in Hebrew is kavod. Kavod, the same word kavod, meaning glory, is the same word for honor. It's the same word for value. Same word for weightiness. Okay? Same word, kavod. To, to weigh something, to find its value. If you want to know how much grain we're going to trade something, well, I'm willing to trade this much weight of grain for that much weight of meat. So it, the value is dependent on how much it weighs. The word is kavod. It's the same word for glory and honor. Okay? So, so he, didn't, he didn't honor the voice of God. He didn't catch the heart of God, and he went away from God. He tried to get away from, from God. Now, getting away from God led him into bondage, needing deliverance. <laughs> you, if you get away from God's presence, you will always need deliverance. Can I just tell you that? If you get away from God, you will always need deliverance. Because everything outside of his presence means to destroy. So he goes away from the presence and the voice of God. And he, the, he's about to go down, right? And everyone who's near to him is about to die. There's a storm. And Jonah realizes it's his fault. And he says, ah, yeah, it's my fault. And they throw him out of the boat <laughs> into the sea. And he gets swallowed by a fish. Three days, he's in this fish. In chapter 2, verse 9, let's just go there. Very important to see these little things that seem little but end up being really big. I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah on the dry ground. I want you to see his deliverance came when he says, here's what I'm going to give. I'm going to give a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Boom, he comes into the presence of God, and he's delivered. Deliverance is in the presence. So he goes away from the Lord. Boom, he's in a fish. He turns his attention back to the Lord and says, I'm going to be grateful. Boom. God speaks to the fish, brings him to dry ground, delivers him. 
This is something he got himself into but got himself out of by being grateful. Now, look at Saul, or now who we call Paul. Paul gets put in prison for obeying God's voice, but he's delivered from prison by giving thanks. He's in the inner prison. He's in, the, he's in, he's in solitary confinement. He's singing praises to God. In the midst of his situation, gates open. It leads to his deliverance, but to the warden's deliverance and everyone there's deliverance. Right? Every door opened. I want you to see that this is a pattern throughout Scripture, that this is how it is. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word is delivered. <laughs> Salvation means deliverance, by the way. But I want to see, see that this, the, it's, it's a continual pattern. Ungratefulness will always lead you into bondage. I want to show you. Through scriptures, it will, it, that's the pattern all the way through scriptures. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. Now, most of us, if we've been in church any period of time, when we got to Romans 1, we go, oh, Things make a lot of sense. I remember reading Genesis chapter 3 after being a believer, and I was like, oh. Because I always wondered, if God was good, then how come? How many ever asked that question? If God was good, then how come? And then you read Genesis 3, and you're like, Adam and Eve, I'm so upset at you. <laughs> now I know it's not God's fault. It's my great-great-grandma and grandpa's fault. They did this. So that, this is kind of like chapter 1, verse 18 of Romans kind of gives us kind of humanity's issue, right? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, but understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse, because throughout um, the, although they know God, they did not glorify, I want you to see this part here, they did not glorify him as God and were unthankful. You see it? They didn't give honor, the word there is honor, they didn't give honor to God, they didn't glorify glory, they didn't honor him, they didn't value his position, they were unthankful, they were ungrateful. You see it? And became futile in their thoughts and their foolishness in heart. Their hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God uh, into the image made of incorruptible men. What happens is he says they traded the right thing for wrong things. And in doing so, they said they were wise. He goes on to say, men sleep with men and women sleep with women. This is the futility of their minds and their hearts because they would not glorify and honor God and be thankful. So ungratefulness led to blindness. They could not see. And they traded the truth for a lie. And they worshiped creation instead of the creator. This is the continual pattern. If you go to 1 Timothy... You'll see it again. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. The faith is the truth, right? They'll depart from the truth. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrine of demons. They're going to leave God's presence. They're going to leave the faith, the truth, the presence. And they're going to go into bondage to... Deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons, speaking lies, 
in hypocrisy, having their own conscience, this is their hearts, right? We just saw that in the other, seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry. These are some of the things that they'll do. They'll say, oh, you can't get married, right? We see that in certain faiths. <laughs> Commanding uh, uh, to, to abs- uh, 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 abstain from certain foods that were created to be received with thanksgiving. So what was available in God is not being received by thanksgiving. You know, many Christians that I've met live ungrateful uh, and and unjoyful Christian lives. You know why? Because they're not enjoying what's available in Christ. Because what happened was, is they said, well, now that I'm a Christian, here's what I don't get to do. And they defined their walk with God by what they don't get to do instead of what they now have access to. He, he, he says it's, it's doctrines of demons. It's deceiving spirits that lead them. And he says that, that what was given, what was available, they didn't receive with thanksgiving. Ephes- or 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. In the last days, perilous times will come, right? He says, he says it's very explicit by the spirit that in latter times, this is, is First Timothy, in latter times, they will depart from the faith. They'll give in to deceiving. And, and in Second Timothy, he says again, in latter days, um, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves. This is going back to Romans 1. I want you to see all of these verses starting to look very similar. They will love themselves, be lovers of money, boasters, Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, right? We read that and we're like, oh, no. It's like the vast majority of people, right? So we're like, that's in there? Disobedient to parents? Yeah, because in their mind back then, they couldn't even, they couldn't even fathom that. You don't, have, you don't have any security, food, shelter, anything if it's not for your parents, Right? So to be dishonorable to them, to not value them, to disobey them, that's outside of the even thinking. Look what the next thing says. Unthankful. The word is ungrateful. Unthankful. The disobey parents and be unthankful. These are the same type of people. They love themselves. They love money. They're boastful. They're proud. They're blasphemers. They're disobedient to parents and they're unthankful. Here's what it looks like. They're unholy unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, despising what is good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They're blinded and the things that should be loved and, 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 and enjoyed aren't and the things that shouldn't are. They've been deceived Doctrines of demons, and it starts with ungratefulness. So we need deliverance. So I just, I just want you to catch this. Deliverance is in his presence. Okay, deliverance, the children's bread. We talked about that, the inner, the holy place. The bread is called the bread of his presence. It's an imagery of the children's bread, which is, is deliverance, um, uh, the, the, the body, which is the bread, which is broken for your healing. So these things come in his presence. But we need it because we were outside of his presence. And we're outside of his presence because we fell for a lie and we become ungrateful people. So... In Luke 17, we have 10 lepers. They find themselves coming into the presence of Jesus. And when they get in the presence of Jesus and they realize it, what do they say? Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Jesus doesn't say, this is what he says, go show show yourself to the priests. He honors the law. That's what the the law would have him do. He honors the law. He doesn't say be healed. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. They obey. 
They come into his presence. They hear his voice. They obey, unlike Jonah. On the way, it says, they were all cleansed and made whole. They, were, they, were, they, were, they, they no longer had leprosy. And it says only one returned to him to give thanks. And Jesus says what? Were there not ten who were cleansed? But only this foreigner, only this Samaritan has returned to give thanks. Go, your faith has made you sozo. Meaning you got more than just being healed now. There's a word in Greek for healing, and it's not sozo. There's a word for salvation, and it's not sozo. But when you get both, it always uses the word sozo. So he got more by being thankful. He got deliverance because he obeyed the word of God, but he got even more when he came to give thanks. And so I believe some of you have gotten some, but like this foreign of this, you're going to come back and you're going to give thanks. And in giving thanks, you're going to get even more. We talked about this in Burkina Faso when we had one girl whose ears opened after being prayed for, but we had like six that needed for the ears to be opened that weren't opened. And John Carter, who's the one that we were just, said, remember the message about how heaven is a sucker for gratitude? Let's just give thanks. And as we gave thanks, the rest of their ears were open. And so... There's a key here. There's a key here. I... It's a choice. It's a daily choice. And the trap of the enemy is to get you to be ungrateful. In your marriage, at one point your marriage, for those of you who are married, was a point of celebration. Right? Your wedding day, it was a point of celebration. But then the enemy comes and begins to say, man, they should be more like this. They don't do this enough. They don't say this enough. They don't do that enough. They don't. And all of a sudden, we begin to fall for the trap of what they're not, and we begin to become to be ungrateful. Now what once was to be cherished, glorified, honored, we begin to despise. And we're willing to throw it away because we don't value it anymore. The same with kids with their parents. I see this too often. Kids that talk bad about their parents. And now those kids are 50, right? When I say kids, I just mean people who don't recognize the gift that their parents were. Why? Well, I meet people, they only focus on the negative things, how their parents weren't perfect. I just get over it now. There's never been a perfect earthly parent. Never has been. Adam and Eve had the perfect environment to be the perfect parents and messed it up for the rest of us. My son tells a joke about, you know, Cain and Abel asking their dad, how come we're not in the garden anymore? And Adam says, your mom ate us out of house and home. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> thank you for dealing with that corny joke. So, <laughs> so somehow, even in the perfect place, we were able to, as humans, to become ungrateful. It's a choice. And you will guard your lives. It will release deliverance and healing, restoration, all of these amazing things because you become a person who will not be deceived to make something less in value than God says it's. So here's the secret is when we catch God's heart on it, everything in our lives holds the value it holds to him. This is the secret. The secret is everything in my life holds the value he says it holds. Because I can be, I can give lesser value to it. There are people who are no longer in certain churches. The enemy, what once was a place of celebration to, the, to you, you did your wedding there, this, that, and other, everything was great. And the enemy slowly began to go, wow, you know. And all of a sudden, we devalue. Happens in marriages, happens in families, happens in your job. 
job that when you heard you got the job, you were like, yes, I got the job. You called your family. Now, oh, this boss. I had a, I had a guy that I worked with. I thought cell towers, when I got the job, was the best job. You asked my in-laws. I, I, I was just like, this is the best job ever. They pay me on time? Because like, I, built, I built houses. They never paid me on time, ever. So then I was like, what? It's payday and I actually got my pay? This is amazing. This is the best job ever. And I never had to check my time card and my check to see if it was the same because they were integrous. So I was like, this is the best job ever. Now, one of the employees that worked there knew the owners from church. Knew the owners from church. Did not value because of familiarity, the owners. The first job they ever had, so they didn't value the job experientially. Like, Because I remember like three weeks in, when we tore down towers, they would recycle the, the tower and the copper and everything and give the money to us workers for free. Just saying, thank you for being safe. Here's the money. And they'd give you a cash. Cash. You didn't do anything for it. The company could have kept it. They gave it to us. They said, we're just so thankful for you guys. Here's this money. I was like, this is the coolest job ever. It's like a week or two in, they handed me $500 cash and said, thank you for being safe. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, this is awesome. This young man, who's the same age as me, grew up in the church where the owners went to church, would speak bad about the owners, was buying stuff on the company card that was personal. Cigarettes, dip, all this stuff. Whatever he wanted, he would just put it on the company card. Well, they found out. Weird. <laughs> and he ended up owing them $20,000. <laughs> Lunch, Red Bulls, whatever it was he wanted. He would just swipe it. And he would put it on the thing. And well, they found out and they started taking it out of his pay. He had to pay it all back. He was like 20 years old. The way he spoke of the company versus the way I spoke of the company had to do with honor and thankfulness, gratitude. I didn't think the owners owed me anything except what I worked for. He thought he was entitled to more than that. He was entitled to them paying $20,000 worth of his own stuff. He was a believer. I just go, you know, I, I was just like, I don't, I don't, I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't understand. I'm glad I couldn't understand. But I just want to say this to this group right here. We're all susceptible to the same trap. To the same trap in your marriage, with the Lord, with your family, with your job. We're all susceptible to the same trap. To devalue something. To listen to a voice that would make something less valuable. No longer be thankful and give honor. Be thankful to the Lord for it will remove us from his presence, begin to blind us, will be begin to make judgment and kind of, oh, you're never this, you're never that, and we'll down our marriages, we'll down our kids or our, our parents, we will down our bosses, we will be ungrateful for it, and it will cause us to need deliverance, healing, all those things, okay? So the security, the security for you of always being in a place in the presence place in a position for healing, a place in position for deliverance, is being someone who guards the value of others according to God's standard of value and always gives thanks. It'll safeguard you. So in this week of Thanksgiving, I, I want to challenge you to practice something. Today, tomorrow morning, is just to take maybe a journal and begin to write out. I do this on a regular basis. I write out you know, it might take a second, you know, all of a sudden, one, two, three. Usually the same ones kind of come up, right? My wife, my kids, my, my health, my this, Jesus. All, I start, and all of a sudden, it's just like boom, gates open up because I'm practicing something. Where all of a sudden, my eyes open. Any veil that was beginning to get there begins to be removed. And all of a sudden, I can see, whew, oh, my gosh, I have a million blessings in my life. 
And all of a sudden, it's just like, I can't write fast enough. It keeps the veil off. So practice being thankful. Practice being thankful. And you'll keep yourself from every veil the devil would like to put on you. And, and, he, and once the veil's on, he can lead you because you can't see. And he leads you into dangerous places, okay? Away from your marriage, away from health, away from, okay? Go ahead and stand up and pray for you. Go ahead and say this. Say, Father God, we repent for every time we have become unthankful for our blessings. And we choose today to be a thankful people. We thank you for our parents. We thank you for our health. We thank you for our relationships. We thank you for this family. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for Jesus, for his body and his blood. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you have released in our lives. We are a grateful people. Thank you, Lord. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. Thank you for that. You forgive all of our iniquity and you heal all of our infirmity. We have not forgotten. We say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you were blessed and encouraged. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel for more amazing content.